How's it going, everybody? This is Senior Quotes. I am Jack Coleman, joined always by Aiden Broderick, my co-host. And today we have a very special guest with us, Mr. Bob Ryan. He wrote for the Boston Globe for years, a BC alum, was on WZBC, and he's actually from New Jersey like us. So, Mr. Ryan, Bob, how are you doing today? Doing fine. It was WZBC in my day. Oh, okay. We, they went a little one letter down in the alphabet. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. One letter can make it all change. So, you are from New Jersey. You went to BC. Similar path that we are on right now. Yeah. What What are some of your favorite BC memories? What are What are some of your BC background? That well, you they, they they emanate uh, obviously from athletics uh, primarily. You know, they had that burdensome, uh, you know, obligation. You had to go to class too. You know, to, to justify all this, which was you know unfortunate. But you know, you put up with that. Tongue gets in cheek here, folks. Don't get excited. Yeah, of course. And, uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, it was. I, I wasn't prepared for the BC athletic scene. I really, people thought I was, but I wasn't. A lot of people thought I went to BC because Bob Cousy was the coach. I mean, seriously, and it wasn't. It had nothing to do with it, but it turned out to be a great benefit for me because I met him when I was a freshman uh, doing the play, uh, play-by-play for WVBC. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've known him ever since. And so... Um, that that turned out to be very beneficial. But uh, athletics, you know, right away, uh, the very first thing that happened was the first football game in 1964 against Syracuse, opening day, and we beat them on the last play of the season, last play of the game, a 55-yard touchdown pass from Larry Marzetti to uh, uh, Bill Cronin, who was the captain. And I was covering that game for the Trenton Times, for whom I had been a summer intern in 64. And... uh, uh, they asked me to cover the game because the starting uh, a running back, of starting running back for Syracuse was Floyd Little. And Floyd Little had gone to Bordentown Military Institute, which is in the suburban Trenton, yep. and they had a proprietary interest in him. So uh, I covered the game. So my first BC game, I was actually in a press box uh, for a memorable gay in BC history. That's how, that's what, how things got started. Wow. So you, so you literally came in and it was off with a bang. Also, the the way you just... Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, it really was. It was my first exposure, my first BC athletic event, my first we end of my first week, because it was the end of orientation week. We had a whole week of orientation. This was the Saturday. Uh, you know, I arrived on Sunday and uh, went through the whole week of orientation. And uh, then Saturday was the football game. And we beat Syracuse. Now, Syracuse that year went on to the Sugar Bowl. Uh, and they had, uh, in addition to having Floyd Little, they had Jim uh, Nance, who of course later became a great Patriots running back, yeah. and, a, and a quarterback named Wally Maley, who was pretty good, uh, and uh, uh, that we really inflicted a, a painful loss on them. Jeez, I mean, Bob, just listen to the way you retell it. It sounds like you were born for some kind of sports casting, <laughs> sports journalism. It's it's quick, it's accurate still to this day. Was well, that... I'll give you one more detail. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Uh, uh, the ball landed around the 10-yard line, and and two serious uh, two Syracuse defensive backs, whose names were Nate Duckett and Charlie and uh, Nate Duckett and I forget the other one, Walker. Uh, they collided, and, uh, and and took each other out of the play. And Cronin literally walked into the end zone. It was, it was it was a miracle. It also sounds like this just happened last weekend. You have such a great memory. Of it. This is awesome. Um, <laughs> I know, well, it was a vivid memory, you know. And it, <laughs> of it, course, it, it was it was my first BC. It was indelible, and it was it's really the one play and the only specific play that I remember mm. of that season 
and you know, and maybe going through the next three seasons, there's no other play that would resonate. But think about it. You know, a 55-yard touchdown pass in the last play of the game uh, with that kind of drama is the kind of thing that will stick in your mind. That is incredible and awesome for a first-ever game. Um, how were the super fans in the BC fan section when you were there? How was the football experience going as it a was, student? It uh, was moderate. Yeah. <laughs> but, Sounds about right. You know, the funny thing about when you look back at the, how the world has changed, we had a nine-game schedule mm. that year, nine games. And uh, we were 6-3. and three. Uh, We lost to Army, Air Force. Um, who else we lose to? I uh, forget. And, um, oh, Tennessee. Oh, my God, that was a painful mm. game. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, it was uh, – that's the way the world was. And, you know, the big thing was trying to compete for the Lambert Trophy, which was emblematic mm. of Eastern College football supremacy, <laughs> quote, unquote. And, uh, and, and Penn State was, of course, the BMS at the time. And, um, uh, you know, so it was uh, – but that was what you stroke for then, the, the Lambert Trophy, which is long Oof. gone. But, uh, but uh, that was the big deal in those days. So, obviously, that was definitely a memorable game for you. What was your most memorable, though? Over your course oh, of time, oh, it would be no BC. question. February eighteenth, nineteen sixty-seven. There it is. Um, Boom. <laughs> the most important basketball game ever played on the campus of Boston College before or since. There has never—I stress this—never been a more important game played for the simple reason that the world was such that the winner of this game between BC and Providence was going to the NCAA. It was known. It was just a given, and the loser was going to the NIT. Period. Mm. And we had not been able to beat uh, Providence in the Jimmy Walker era. And um, this game was so big that uh, in, a, in a city that really was uh, very uninterested in college basketball in general, Channel 4 televised that game on a Saturday night. And we had national coverage from Sports Illustrated, New York Times, and other entities. It was such a big game. And the game, we wind up, we got a big lead at halftime, a 14-point lead, and they came back, and Walker uh, was, was cold to start the second half. He missed his first seven shots, even hit the side of the backboard on one of them. Then he got rolling. He's the most fearsome <laughs> opponent I ever encountered in, in collegiate activity. And, and he got rolling and, and came down to 83-82. And Jim Kassane, our, our, start, our forward, uh, ending the game by throwing the ball up in the air, uh, you know, to let the clock run out. And uh, mm. uh, very, very, very intelligent play. And we beat him 83-82. Uh, wow. that, that was the most important game ever played on campus in D.C. That was, that was against Providence, correct? Beating Providence and the great Jimmy Walker. So we also, in our first uh, WZBC game here, got to broadcast BC versus Providence last year, and it was also a classic. We went to overtime and sadly Mm -hmm. lost that game. But it's funny, just a connection that I draw as well, and it's been just as fun covering basketball. I'm hoping that we can call a game of that level of uh, magnitude at some point, but that is an incredible story as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, 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 you can't exaggerate the, the build-up and the tension, and, the, and and then again, the game turned out to have that drama mm-hmm. uh, with, with them coming back, and, and we, we, you know, we, we, we held on. And I remember thinking if Walker had gotten his hands on the ball one more time, we would have lost. I don't think there's any doubt. We played him four times, okay? He got 29, 50, 40, and 33. That's, that's his four games. Oh, my goodness. Two. And the 50th was, was in the Holiday Festival Finals, 1966, um, and um, we, we just couldn't stop him. He was incredible. I'm telling you, Bob, you may want to consider coming back and teaching a class or something. Yeah, You're seriously. incredible. It's, <laughs> my, my, it's awesome. Well, you know, it, it, it was a wonderful era. You know, I mean, I, uh, we, we, you know, we, it was a, 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 the first great basketball era in D.C. history. D.C. had never been known for its basketball, believe me. 
and I'd only been to the tournament once before in 1958, and I, they were beaten right away. Mm. Uh, and and when they hired Bob Cousy, you know, we knew it was going to be different, but it turned out to be a, a, a true golden era. He lasted, six, he was there six years, and in my four years, the middle four, we went to two NITs when that mattered, and that <laughs> didn't matter in those days. Was remember the NCAA had 25 teams in the NCAA and NIT mm, at 16 yeah. back in 19 in those days. So now you've got, of course, 65, 68, and, and 32. You've got 100 teams that, that get to play in the postseason in, in Division One, whereas in those days it was 41. So it's a whole different world. Wow. And, and we went to two NCAAs in, in, um, um, in the, night, the end of 66, 67, which I still think was one of the two or three, if not the best teams in BC history. Uh, we, we finished uh, ranked in, uh, number seven in the country, 10 in the country. And, uh, and and lost to North Carolina in the regional finals, which was Dean Smith's first Final Four. Wow. So it was a very great, it was a golden era. Yeah. So looking looking at BC sports now, do you have any takes? Do you have any thoughts on BC football, BC basketball? Well, I'm worried, you know, obviously I'm disappointed. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. When we went into the, when we, we, which I never wanted to go into the ACC, Gene Dufo, who I like personally, we, he dragged us into the ACC uh, uh, for football reasons. And, and you know, the, 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 we, it's obviously, it's self-evident that, that uh, two leagues that were founded on basketball, one absolutely positively, uh, well, they both were. Well, the, the ACC and the Big East were both founded on basketball. And football hijacking them, I call it hijacking. Mm. And um, we, we got dragged into the ACC, but fortunately we went into the ACC with one of the best teams in BC history, that 60-05-06 team. Uh, I, I may very well have been the best team in BC history, quite mm. frankly, at the end, by the way they were playing at the end of the season. Mm. And they managed to uh, you know lose to Duke by one in the conference final at a championship game and and then we won two games in the tournament and got beat by uh, Villanova but mm. uh, that was a great team and we had good teams and we had, I remember we went into football did we not play for the championship uh, you know a couple of times in a row we had good teams um, you know we, had, we could spend you could spend all week your next X number of of podcasts discussing the end of the Al Skinner era. <laughs> we don't have enough time to get into that. Yeah. But, but, uh, and, and all the pros and cons got out, okay? But uh, what happened since then has been, you know, a steady deterioration, and, and um, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's frustrating. We're, we're not competitive the way we, we'd love to be in, 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 in basketball. We made a little inroad a couple of years, two years ago, but last year we fell back again. Uh, you know, I think it's a shame if Robinson had stayed last year with Bowman Mm-hmm. Uh, we would have been a good team. Definitely. That would have been a that would have had a cusp of a top twenty five team. That yeah. would have been the best BC team in, in a dozen years. But it didn't stay. And now, of course, uh, not only has Bowman gone out, but Tabs is out. And yep. you know, right yeah. away, we're behind the eight ball starting this season. So, uh, in that regard, I, I'm, I'm disappointed. Football, you know, Steve is right righted the ship to a, a certain level. Uh, you know, that that bowl eligibility level. Uh, you know, which is another discussion we could have. Uh, and but that's why I still can't digest. I had a conversation with someone yesterday. I still can't digest the Kansas game. Oh. <laughs> and, and you know and what? We call that game you know too. This, but USA Today, uh, two days ago, uh, in a midseason rundown of, of the college football season, uh, went over the three biggest upsets. Yeah. Guess, what, mm. guess what they put number one? Well, that's yeah. So, so like Jack uh, said, we were on commentary yeah, uh, for that. <laughs> that I, and and so what's it, 600 yards of total offense? Oh, my gosh, yeah. yeah. What, Brutal. What happened? It, it's it was in what I yeah. <laughs> we, we got some bad luck on calling games right now. So maybe we only got two. So, maybe, yeah, yeah, but maybe talking to you, our next hockey game or basketball game is going to be a win. Yeah. Right now we're 0-2, <laughs> though. Um, 
But oh we asked this of all our BC alum guests that we have on. Where were you living when you were at BC? I feel like a lot of people like to know this kind of cool stuff. Uh, all right. I started out at uh, Fenwick. Cool. And, okay. Uh, we, and I, by the, our team, I wasn't on it. Uh, mm. But our t- we had two Fenwick teams and, and Fenwick won and two. But Fenwick won, won the the, uh, day, the night league dorm championship that year. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> Interesting. Team. Yeah. Right. A very big deal. Chevrolet. Uh, uh, another time and Welch huh. and I said that's three years I'm trying to think of the fourth one um, um, but that, so there's there the three of them I, um, I'm trying to think of the other one I'm not sure exactly what my fourth uh, you know but I ended up at uh, Welch I know that much and, and senior <laughs> so and um, huh. so you know then those days remember there was only upper campus right. there okay. was no there were no mods there was no lower campus there was no none of that there was just the upper campus gotcha okay. so so quick question too you mentioned the dorm challenge I don't think we have that anymore no you don't have dorm competition no not, not really, really no. <laughs> get out no you don't have day league and night league you don't have intramural official competition well we have intramurals, we have intramurals but they're not but, by yeah. hall or by dorm so no we don't have that well the day league the daytime is not you know but, but the nighttime was uh, was dorms huh. and, wow. and Fenwick won Fenwick won one yeah we, that's, uh, huge? We had a that's awesome yeah. Yeah. I, I never knew that that's yeah, actually really that cool yeah um, so moving on, you covered the Celtics as a beat reporter for a good amount of time. I'm sure you have some awesome stories. Obviously, I'm attracted to the Larry Bird narrative and what yeah. that was kind of like and being. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure it just must have been insane in more aspects than one. But can you tell us a little bit about Larry Legend and any other? Well, when, it, when Larry <laughs> came along, um, I was ten years into in, in, into the you know, my career and, uh, had covered, uh, two championships, 74 and 76. And, you know, well entrenched in the, in the NBA and it seen a lot of great stuff. And, and, uh, um, but the league was a little bit of a downside cycle. Now. There's no question that it was not a, a, a bountiful era at the end of the seventies. Uh, the, uh, uh the, the championships 78 and 79 were matches between the bullets and the, uh, Sonics. The bullets won the first one. The Sonics won the second one. It didn't start a national imagination. Uh, at all, and uh, now here comes Magic and Larry, and that was you know coming off the what was it is still the highest rated NCAA championship game ever was the '79 game between Michigan State and Indiana State. Uh, they had captivated uh, the uh, attention of the sports audience, uh, basketball fans, and now they come into the NBA and, and fortuitously you know like some act of you know basketball god they give one to the Lakers and one to the Celtics, mm. and 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 uh, that that set it set it all up. Um, and they went on and had their both spectacular rookie years. And the Celtics, you know, but that wasn't just Larry. People um, uh, have to understand that uh, the difference between the 78-79 Celtics who won 29 and the 79-80 Celtics who won 61 uh, is that, uh, A, you got a new coach. Uh, you know, they didn't have a coach. Dave Cowens was player coach. Everybody knew, everybody knew that wasn't going to last. Mm-hmm. They got Bill Fitch. Uh, Tony Archibald, who had come the year before, got healthy. He was not healthy the year before. Uh, they signed ML Carr, who had led the league in minutes played for the Pistons as a free agent, and they got a, uh, uh, an extra draft pick that a year removed in Gerald Henderson. So they had, and they got Larry. And so they had more than just Larry. Larry was the number one thing, but it wasn't the coaching thing was very important too. And and it clicked right from the start. You know, Larry was Larry, and and, and right away he's he's uh, even better than anyone really projected, I think. And Magic, so and that started. The, the NBA, they set the table for Michaels with those two did. Mm, definitely. You know, Michael, but Michael, Michael made the NBA a, 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 
completely in the national phenomenon. Um, but um, Magic and Larry set the table for him. And then, so for the next three or four years, it was the three of them. It was a tri- it was a you know it was a holy trinity. But prior to that, it was a you know it was a, a, a dynamic duo. And then my, Michael, and then, then they're they're both paying their homage. You realize the first game Michael played in Boston, uh, Larry uh, the Celtics won. Michael had I believe twenty nine. You know it, was, it, was a, it wasn't that flashy. Yeah. It was very workman like twenty nine. And Larry declared yeah. to be the best player he'd ever seen. <laughs> and you don't think we didn't run with that one? And <laughs> and, uh, and and there we go. From there, you know, he he put his his stamp. He gave an imprimatur. He gave Michael immediately imprimatur. And uh, you know, uh, there we went from there. And of course, as you know. April twentieth, nineteen eighty six, was Michael's. Even though it was his second year, it was the true coming out party, which was the sixty three point game in game game two against the Celtics, uh, which the Celtics, which people conveniently forget, won. You know, <laughs> one thirty five, one thirty one in double overtime. And uh, but that that uh, that was Michael Jordan announcing to the world, "My time is coming." Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly when. And we all we all know that you know how that story went. But back to Larry. Um, I hit it off with Larry immediately. Uh, we got along great, and and um, you know I I you know, just enjoyed getting to know him and and, and and especially watching him. And I, I said this I've said this a hundred times. So you're not getting fresh. You're getting recycled uh, information, a recycled line here. But I always say it was as if uh, I had signed up for an art course, <laughs> but I didn't know who the teacher was going to be. <laughs> and on the first day of the class, in walked the teacher, and it was Michelangelo. <laughs> And that's the way I thought about Larry. I, I thought I knew basketball. I thought I had seen a lot of stuff. But Larry Bird, to me, encompassed in an individual, personal microcosm everything I loved about basketball. Wow. Very and, cool. uh, and that's, that's, you know, to this day, it's still true. And I'm not saying that, you know, we haven't seen guys who could, you know, the only two people that you put in the same category are, are Michael and, and LeBron. Yeah. And, 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 and Magic himself, of course. But, uh, you know, since Magic and Larry, the only two players who deserve to belong in that discussion on the level of those two as all around, you know, as individual offensive players are uh, Michael and LeBron. For sure. What's the one Larry Legend moment that sticks out in your head that you might have seen in person, might not have, but I'm sure there's well, just you one see how If you want to pick one game, yeah. you know, and that's so hard, you know. It's, but the game to me that and showed what he could do and what, and what a – completely prepared, motivated, uh, uh, efficient uh, uh, guy and how you can influence a basketball game without boxcar numbers. There were nice numbers. It was triple-double. Sure. I didn't even know what it was. 29, <laughs> 12, 10, something like that. It was game six against the Rockets in 86 because not only was he dominant on offense, he was incredibly dominant on defense mm. that day. Mm. He seemed to be everywhere. He anticipated passes. He anticipated broke-up plays. He even got a jump ball against Olajuwon. That's how, oh, wow. high, that's how <laughs> hyper he was that day. And <laughs> he did. And I don't know how he did that, but he did. <laughs> and excuse me, um, he then, to much to my satisfaction, when we did our book, I did, the, you know, I did his first book, uh, said that that day he was never more prepared. And he said he felt like his heart was beating out of his chest during that game. And, and that gratified me because I, I felt that was a very special day. And I'd seen all his other great days and that, but that, uh, that or at least most of them, and, and um, because I did get off the beat for uh, in the middle in '82, but unfortunately I came back on in '86, and that was of course the, the greatest, the, the greatest Celtic team without any remote question, and uh, and that was his peak year. But that game was the the ultimate exclamation point on the best Celtic season ever. Uh, was Larry Bird playing with 
I would argue was his best game ever. Wow. Um, so, obviously, being yeah. from New York, New Jersey area, it's always a big deal for a guy to come in and play their first MSG game. What was yeah. your memory of the greatest uh, first game at TD Garden for a player? Well, it's funny. His first game was an exhibition. He made his NBA debut as, the, as a, a playing against the 76ers in the first game of an exhibition doubleheader in Madison Square Garden. Oh, wow. Mm. wow. And the one thing that uh, stood out was he threw a pass from the top of the key. Uh, I don't know what it was, backward bounce or something like that, that was so dazzling that Dave Anderson, the, the uh, Pulitzer Prize winning columnist uh, of the times uh, wrote a cold column on Larry Bird and basically centering on that pass. And uh, uh, but I saw him make stuff, do stuff that was never. I saw him do a thing down in Marshfield uh, during the rookie camp that in the, that summer, uh, and they were playing the night activity. The day activity was at Camp Millbrook outside, and the night activity was at Marshfield High School. And and Marshfield High School had what we called those old fashioned tartan floors, which BC had for a long time, and, you know, not, not wood. And Larry had a tartan floor uh, at Indiana State. He throws a pass, it was about a 50-foot underhand pass ahead, and it caught in the turf, and in the tarp, tarp, excuse me, the tartan floor, and bounced backwards, like, a, <laughs> like a, 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 an approach on a golf shot. Wow. And, and he said that he had learned how to do that because he knew that the ball would catch on the tartan floor and you could you could make it do stuff. Well, I'd never seen a pass like that in my life. Well, he never threw that pass in the NBA because, of course, all their games were on wood. But that just to show you what he was capable of doing. Yeah, that's in, that's incredible. So you mentioned leaving the Celtics for a while, but then coming back. Were you there for the Garnett Pierce? Yes. Uh, when um, I, I um, uh, my, my, I'll give you the quick synopsis uh i was a, a beat guy from 69 to 76 mm. from 78 to 82 and from uh, february of 86 until the end of the 87 88 season and mm. then 1989 became a full-time columnist in the fall of 89 so as a full-time columnist you're doing you know this and that and everything and and of course being a basketball associated person i i, I did an awful lot of basketball mm. and uh, so when they came uh when, when the team was put together um you know i was very much uh, active columnist, and, and so I covered. Uh, and that that 0708 uh, group was special. There's no doubt. And uh, uh, I'd never seen anything like Garnett. I'd never encountered anything because there's some, there's intensity, and then there's Kevin Garnett. I mean, <laughs> he's it's almost like a, a cartoon figure. Uh, he, he was so outsized and so over the top in, in his level of intensity. But without that, you know, he he was the driving force on the team. You know, the Pierce was the best player. Ray Allen was the great shooting specialist. Uh, but uh, Garnett was the taskmaster. He was the he was the the heart and heartbeat of the team. There's no question. Doc will tell you that because <laughs> I was very happy because I love Doc. Doc, I had already. I'm not even remotely obje- quote unquote objective about Doc. I love Doc, and and I was just so happy that he had the opportunity to coach this team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I agree. I thought Doc was an awesome coach. Do you, do you think in regards to Kevin Garnett though? Do you consider him the greatest trash talker of all time? I don't know that. I'm not. You know what? That's a subject that bores me. Uh, people <laughs> get hung up on that. And they, you know, Larry, Larry used to do some stuff, but I, I never, I, I just couldn't get off on that. Um, really. Uh, I don't know. And I don't care. I, 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 that's just a topic. No, I, don't, I hope you're not offended. I'm not, oh, not, I'm not being condescending. <laughs> I just don't care. No, I'd love to hear that. I, <laughs> no, that's awesome. I mean, just a guy of that intensity in his own right and, no, the persona has, you know, alone. I'm talking about, I mean, just 
my God. I mean, you know, and the other thing about the most fascinating technical aspect of Kevin Garnett is that he's the most self-deprecating or, or, or selfless, mm. uh, big, uh, great, uh, you know, top-level player of all time when it comes to uh, taking shots. You had to, you had to really, you know, urge him shoot the ball and it wasn't what you said he wasn't afraid of the moment he just saw his role as different than that yeah. and and really he had very few you know memorable big clutch shots because he wanted everybody else to take them yeah he did have one in the cleveland series and in and oh eight you know and then that he won a game with and and but he didn't have that many of them because he was more interested in being a facilitator and it was just the way he saw the game it wasn't it he was a character flaw yeah. it was ever the character it was anything but it was testimony to his character. I mean, you don't really need to take too many big shots when you have guys like Paul Pierce and, of course, Ray Allen on the same right, team. Right, and you had Ray Allen, you know, yeah. and Ray Allen who's, you know, got, you know, is, is, is got to, you know, who wouldn't want to have him back? I right. Mean, you know, Ray Allen was, Ray was, you know, he was another character in his own right, you know, uh, because, uh, you know, the OCD aspect, I'm sure you're aware of that yeah. he's really almost clinically uh, identified as an OCD person. And and his his, uh, his habits and his routines were, were you know, almost, terrifying. I mean, he was so, he was so rigid. Yeah, I, I was going to ask, what was the perspective on Ray Allen when he decided to move to Miami and join LeBron's big three? I mean, not the big three, but you know what I mean, and yeah, that championship. You know, I don't know what, you know, something happened because there was something underlying that, that caused this negative reaction between from the other two, and, 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 you know, I don't know what Ray said or did or how that went. You know, behind the closed doors, I don't know, but something did happen because clearly their over-the-top negative reaction was, I, you know, we all thought was a bit extreme, and 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 because it's carried over into the, the post-career, yeah, you yeah. know, and that that's disappointing, and I know it, it it disturbs Doc because you know Doc wanted to feel that he presided over one big happy family, mm-hmm. and 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 it wasn't quite as happy as he, you know, in the aftermath. Not that it diminished their achievement, but he would like everybody to, you know have a nice afterlife and, and be and look at each other finally so i don't know where it's gonna how it's gonna end you know it's gonna be up to you know they all, they gotta get together I, I i that's all but ray you know race i won't say stubborn mm. he's proud yeah you mm. know they're all proud in their own way but but i think pierce is the one who's been the, in the middle there you know he'd be the most normal human being <laughs> history, if you will you know <laughs> for sure i have one more question about this sort of era because as a guy from New Jersey, I grew up a Nets fan, and that wasn't a lot of fun when the Paul Pierce-Kevin Garnett trade went down in the aftermath mm-hmm. of that. So can you tell me about that moment and maybe covering that scene or what, yeah, what went on um, during that? Yeah, it was, it was uh, uh, the Nets were just, you know, it was Billy King, right? Billy King just screwed up. Yeah. You know, I don't know what pressures were on him to feel that he had to do this or what made him think it was going to be so beneficial, but it was too, you know, the, the, the Celtics couldn't believe their good fortune at the time, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 yeah, they took a step back for a while, but, you know, uh, it, it's, uh, it, it was just a mistake by the Nets part, you know, Paul had very little left and Garnett had very little left and it was just not making a lot of sense, you know, and, um, so, uh, yeah, absolutely, uh, that, that was, Unfortunate. Yeah, uh, no, no doubt. That standpoint it. of view, I, I've never, I've always had a, a little bit of residual interest in the Nets. Obviously, coming from you know, from Trenton, and, and when they were playing and, and, and defending New Jersey, you know, and, yeah. and uh, although having some fun with the fact that the franchise, you know, uh, I hated the the uh, crowd atmosphere at the Brendan Bird when it was Brendan Bird Arena, 
I said it was no there there like Gertrude Stein. And I'm the one, by the way, I'm taking credit, and I don't (laughs) want anybody else getting it. I nicknamed them the Exit 16 W Nets. Because because they, you know, had no no foundation. You know, they had no, they they should have been the Newark Nets from the start. You know what I mean? Mm. And they weren't. And they were were out there in, in, you know, in in, uh, Jersey and, and at the Meadowlands, and and but there was no there there, and and uh, the, the, that came to a forefront in '83 um, when they defeated the uh, 76ers, the defending champion 76ers, in the first round of the playoffs mm. with uh, Sugar Ray uh, Richardson and, and uh, Michael Ray Richardson and, and Ray Williams and that and, and um, Albert King, that group, and uh, Buck Williams, <laughs> and they come home after beating Philly the first two games in Philly. And there's like 12,000 dead-ass people in the building. You know, I said, come on. You know, this is ridiculous. Yeah, So totally. I, I think something that came to mind, though, is that there are still trades today that look like the Billy King, <laughs> Paul Pierce, and KG trade, such as the Paul George one that just went down yeah. with the Thunder getting a massive haul of picks for, like, the next five, six years. So any yeah. perspective on that and why those are still happening? Do you think it's a good well, move? I think these are all individually, uh, specifically driven by circumstances and, and personalities, mm. and, and and stuff. I mean, you know, for certain people, you wonder why they move. You know, it's like I promise you, Kyrie Irving is not playing for his final NBA team. Mm-hmm. You know, just for example, you know, personalities. You know, we just saw NBA, NFL trades. You know, Jalen Ramsey should yeah. be a Jaguar for life, but you know, he, he you know, and. He, and Antonio Brown should have been a stealer for life. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. You know, but but we know why they're not. Right. In both cases, you know. So they made themselves poison pills to a degree. So well, I don't know. In the NBA, uh, you know, the Russell Westbrook, uh, uh, I mean, you know, thing, and uh, 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 I don't know. Uh, it, it's they're all these personalities that are, uh, are, are they drive teams or force teams' hands. I'll put it that way. For sure. What What was your what did you hear about the Kyrie Irving previous season with the Celtics? Was, was there animosity in the locker room? I'm hearing more now, no one would. It's all coming out now. Yeah, it's all coming out. Uh, you know, we we you know we, the only thing we could at the time uh, when when he publicly called out the, the rookies, the young players, and not they weren't rookies; they were second year. You know, in, in terms of Tatum. Excuse <laughs> me. When he called them out, you know that wasn't good. But uh, we didn't know whether or not he was able to smooth that over in the locker room. But it turns out that they never that they were they walked on eggshells all year because of him. Uh, he was there was a an energy force that that dominated their daily life. That that, that now we're finding it out that be, that was the case, and 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 it's, it was just not tenable. We know that the the calling card of the team the year before the end of 17-18 when, when people fell in love with that team was unity and cohesion and, 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 and kumbaya and, mm-hmm. and then we know that last year it wasn't there and and you know it was a very telling thing I thought I said, kept hoping against hope that they were going to figure to put it together at the trading deadline there were five legitimate eastern contenders and you know um, Toronto Philadelphia Milwaukee Indiana and themselves the only one uh, Philadelphia, excuse me. I say Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. The only one who didn't make a move was Boston. Mm. And everybody else made a move. Philadelphia picked up Harris, Tobias Harris, who was a very un- un- underrated you know, yes. player. Now people know, but they didn't know until then. Mm. Um, okay. And I said, this is okay with me, because the issue here isn't talent. 
it's not raw talent. It's it's mesh. Yes. And they've got to get it together. They don't need better players. They need to play better. You know, together. Mm. Never happened. Except for the first game against Milwaukee when they fooled us all and teased us all, kicked the ass of the Bucks, and then they went out losing Fort straight complete disgracefully. And, you know, um, so it wasn't ever about talent. It was about fitting that talent together and playing to win, playing and suspending egos. And But we know that Terry Rozier was never happy, you know, all year, never happy. And and Tatum changed his game. And, and the only one who figured it out was Brown. He did. Second half of the year, Brown was fine. Yep, Brown actually but, had a pretty but, solid uh, but Tatum second half. Tatum never did play the way he did the year before. Brown did. And, but Tatum didn't. And, and Rozier was unhappy and, you know, and on and on. Um, I'm looking forward to this year. Yeah, so that's literally my last question about basketball this year is, what do you think? Is this the revival of the NBA? You're going to say, you know, I don't know where they're going to rank in a pecking order, Mm -hmm. you know, in the top 10. I'd like to think they could be a top 10 team. That would be fine with me. I'm not greedy. Outside of the Celtics, though, like in general. I'm going to enjoy watching them. I'm going to enjoy watching them, I think, this year. You know, we know what the issue is. The issue is going to be uh, uh, defense in the middle. Defense in general, they have to. But defense in the middle, uh, I, I it's bad enough losing Horford, but losing Horford and Baines together was what bothers me. I would love if Horford has to go. I'm sorry he's going to Philly, but um, I don't ever wish Al Horford ill will about anything. He's a wonderful guy. He seems. Uh, <laughs> I was hoping they could have kept Baines, but uh, they couldn't because of the, the whole manipulation of the, of the salaries on the roster and all. So you know they don't have a physical force in the middle. They've got some. Big bodies, Robert Williams, Vincent Poirier. Uh, Tice, of course, isn't that big. He's 6'9", maybe. Um, but So there's an issue there. But all the other things, I think they're in good shape, you know? Obviously, Kemba's going to be fine. Uh, and I was... Even, now, even before this explosive uh, night uh, a couple nights ago, oh, yeah. Carson Edwards yes. did this unbelievable... I mean, kid, don't tease us like this. You know, make three <laughs> or four. Don't make... Don't make eight in five minutes and twenty six seconds. That's yeah. like a ridiculous. Yeah. Summer league too. He was he was doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. People aren't going to get this out of their mind, you know. Now, <laughs> I mean, I was excited about having him and, and hoping that he could be an off the bench uh, bench catalyst, offensive catalyst. It looks like he's going to be, but the expectation level you can't. Oh God, don't 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 tease people guys at that high yeah. that do something as extraordinary as that. But I'm happy to have him. I'm happy to have Williams. I'm happy to have Waters. Uh, Langford, we have no idea. You know, he can't get on the floor. Mm-hmm. You know, so don't even talk about him. Um, but Taco, I'm, I'm, <laughs> Taco Fall, and Taco. We're all going to have to make the pilgrimage to Portland sooner or later. You know, is, is Taco. <laughs> so I know I'm planning on it. That's Seriously, awesome. You know, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I'm looking forward to the season. But I don't, and I don't. To me, I'm not putting any pressure on them. <laughs> you know, they're not a favorite of anything. Uh, the Phillies, the favorite in the division. Uh, Philly and Milwaukee, uh, I don't know where Toronto's going to be without Leonard, but Philly yeah. and Milwaukee are definitely the favorites in, in the conference at the moment. Don't sleep on Indiana. I want to throw that one mm. out there on you. Love Old Depot. Old Depot's been incredible the past and couple the years. Are, are, uh, Patriots, and the Celtics are right there, I think, and uh, just below them. But that's fine. That's a 40, that's another, I think they can win 50. <laughs> and, and maybe it'll be better. Yeah, I mean, they'll be right around there for sure. Yeah. And it seems right that you slip in a little... <laughs> Pat's mentioned, right? Right. Yeah. We can't talk sports yeah. without just dropping a no. little bit of Pat's in there. But it's a strange year. It's a very yeah. strange year. Um, we, we're here looking at it, and we know damn right well they're not six and zero good. No, agree. You know, we know damn right well the offense is spotty, and, and and they've been getting by. And thank God with 
for the defense and the special teams. Yeah. We know the schedule hasn't been all that taxing, and all the tough games are coming down the road, and, and, but not for a while. They're going to be 8-0 at least going into the play the Ravens, and they're not even as good as we thought they were. True. You know, so what do they got left? They got, they got two, and, and the two toughest games left on paper are home, mm. you know, mm. which is Kansas City and I thought Dallas. Philly, okay, Philly's, you know, but they're, how good are they? The schedule is incredibly bad. It's a 14-2 schedule, well, you know, written all over it, right? Yeah, I agree. At the least. And, and so, <laughs> um, and yet, if they get that, they're still going to go into the playoffs as a, as a yeah, but kind of thing if that offense doesn't improve, if they don't find some receivers. Yeah. You know, but who knows? Maybe Nikhil Harry will turn out to be a, a fine. Maybe Myers will step up. Um, maybe, you know, but Gibson's not what he was. You know, clearly he's lost something. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, uh, I, you know, I, and so there you go. And they got to always, you always have to keep Edelman healthy. Uh, and, but the defense, this is the best defense since the, um, the 4 one team, the team with, with the likes of, of McGinnis and, 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 and Bruschi and Wilfork and Harrison and so forth. Uh, that 14 to 2 team, that was their best defense until this, but this is the mm-hmm. best one since. So, real quick, what's how many years before Brady retires? Ooh. I, you know, his father is on record this year saying, oh, no, 45, forget it, 47, 48. Oh, great. Who, who knows? <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it, it, he's defying all the actuarial tables now. We have no idea what's going to end. The only person who <clears throat> was remotely this good at 42 uh, for a year was Warren Moon mm-hmm. <laughs> this year. And uh, he's exceeded anything that was done by any of the others who went to their 40s. And, and, and you know, he's not he's, – he's been spotty this year. You yes, know? Yeah, definitely. I even thought throw. last year a bit too. The two end zone interceptions were, were terrible throws. Yeah. They were just terrible throws, both of them. And, and he's thrown some, missed some targets and never was the greatest downfield passer to start with. But, you know, he, but then on the other hand, he's, he's had to make, you know, survive – uh, not having top-flight receivers, and he's made it happen as well as he can. So the truth's somewhere in the middle there. <laughs> and here's my thing. Uh, people talk about elite quarterbacks. You know, all right, look, to win, you, I just want my Super to win the Super Bowl, you just have to be good enough. Mm. You don't have to be the best guy in the league. Very league. true. You, know, Very you don't true. have to. You just have to be good enough. And we've seen guys who were good enough. Flacco actually has a ring. It's about to say Flacco. And, 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 and come on, he was good enough that year. Why? Because they had a superior defense. Well, yep. this is Tom's turn. He's got a superior defense, so he's going to have to be just good enough. True. True. So we're going to get into our last portion of the show. We're going to do a top five Celtics all time. Aiden and I, we, we'll just be one team, okay. and we'll go up against you. So. Sure. You like to give our guests. Well, the, the way I'm going to frame it is, I'm going to go. It's it's the Rushmore plus one because yeah. Ooh, uh, okay. if, we're, if we're going to do if we're going to do starting five that you really want to put on the floor to win the game based on, on modern athletic skills and all, yeah. it would be a different team. Yeah, exactly. I'm talking about the, the, you know the Rushmore plus one. I like the yes. Rushmore is easy. It's easy. It's it's Russell, it's Bird, it's Havlicek, and it's Kruzy. Mm. And then the plus one. Who's number one? Who's the fifth best Celtic? Of all time, huh. and the candidates uh, are uh, you know the envelope, like please. This. The candidates are in some order: uh, Paul Pierce, Kevin McHale, and Dave Cowens. Okay, <laughs> that's my that's my three. And and grudgingly, but and not because I don't like the guy, because it, it pains me to over you know to bypass the guys I you know I knew better. But I'll give it to Pierce. Okay, because yeah, I think the Pierce, truth. I think <laughs> Pierce is. I said this. You know, 14 years ago, no more than that, 16 years ago, when I got shooted down, how did, 
scooted down after he had this incredible game against Indiana in the playoffs one year. And I said, he's the greatest individual offensive player in Celtic history. And I mean individual offensive player. Huh. And they said, what about Bird? What about Havlicek? No. Uh, he can get his shot always. Yeah. He had three-point range, go to the basket, finisher, don't foul him, go and make 85%. And, and, he, and he gets to the line in a creative, inventive, old-fashioned way. You put the ball in his hands and isolate, and you could more than you ever would do Bird or Havlicek. And and that's why he's the most I say the most uh, the most uh, you know the best individual offensive player. Not better than Larry as a player. No, and Larry's a better passer. God knows. And but but I'm I'm just putting him up there. And that's a and a real photo over over McHale and Bird. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I'm looking at some of the guys that might not necessarily have made a top five all time, but obviously they were Celtics true to their heart. They were good guys. <laughs> Looking at Rondo, Isaiah Thomas, and oh. even Shaq had some time there on the Celtics. Sure. Anything about those guys that, you know, Well, Rondo, stuck out Rondo to you? was a, a, you know, in the beginning, he was a, a it was interesting because right away <laughs> as a rookie, you could see that he was a, uh, there was something happened on when he got on the floor. It was, it, when he was a rookie, that the starting guard was, believe it or not, just Sebastian Telfair. Oh, right. And, <laughs> and, and, and uh, you were just sitting there counting the seconds until we get Rondo in the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and things would happen when Rondo got in the game. And Rondo's, you know, extraordinarily rebounding ability, his triple-doubles, some of the games Rondo played are among the most interesting and fantastic games any Celtic guards ever played. Um, but his peculiar personality, to say the least. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and it wasn't around long enough to crack my inner sanctum but, uh, at, at all, but uh, uh, certainly he's a fascinating player. Uh, Isaiah, you know, was incredible short run. and. Yes. and some of the stuff he did. I mean, I was a big fan of his. I was all for giving him the money. I, mm. I feel really bad for him because, you know, he got hurt. He was Instead of backing up the Brinks truck, as he said, to get the money, he'll, he'll never get the money, ever. And his sister he's passing away, too. Hurt again. He'll never, I feel badly for him. He's not a bad person. He's a good guy. But uh, I, I feel badly what happened to him. Yeah. And, and, and it's a shame that he was sacrificed in order to get Kyrie. And I understand why they did it, and I was all for it until I realized what it means to have Kyrie. You know, mm. now we know. Fire beware. The, the, now the Nets are going to find out. So, who else did you mention? Oh, Shaq. Shaq, last well, one. Shaq, let, you know, he let us down. When we needed him, he wasn't there. Just like Rashid. If Rashid had, had they only needed one game out of Rashid in 2010, and they want to win another championship. And, 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 and he was never in shape all year, and he was farting around all year. And, and then when they really needed him after Pen, uh, Perkins got hurt, he wasn't there. And, um, and, and Shaq wasn't there when they needed him that year either. Um, he, he, it was a, you know, it was fun to have him around because he's Shaq and he's quotable <laughs> and, and all that. But uh, uh, he, 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 he was a disappointment. Mm, definitely. Well, that's all we have time for today, Bob. We really appreciate you coming on. It was yeah. awesome talking to you. Uh, you had some awesome, awesome stories, man. It was, it was really cool. Pick well, good luck to you guys. And I, I hope, I hope uh, both our basketball and football teams can can fool me uh, a little bit. That's for sure. I'll be coming to see the. Basketball. That's the one guy I like. I want to shout out to Stephon Mitchell because mm. I liked him as a freshman and I saw some good things in him. And and um, uh, I see that uh, there's a story in the paper the other day about he's really worked hard on this offense. And and um, I'm, you know I'm looking forward to see if that that's going to come to fruition this year because I think he could be a pretty nice player. Yeah, could be his breakout year. Definitely. Let us know if you're ever around. Come to a game. Stop up in the okay. press box if we're calling it. I'll be there. Awesome. I'll see you guys. Thanks so see much, Bob. Thank you. Bye bye. Touching hands